98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Bigly Blast. For a 2-3 and three football team, the Cardinals feel very fragile at the moment. Cliff Kingsbury is getting roasted by the national media for being wholly unprepared on a game-tying drive. For a team that ran a quarterback sneak and two clock-the-ball calls in the span of three plays. For an offense that cannot move the football on his scripted plays, which tells you the league has figured this man out. Kyler Murray is getting torched for sliding for safety on a game-tying drive, for not selling out for victory, for not laying it all on the line from the opening kickoff like Jalen Hurts clearly did for the Eagles. And then there's the very basic question that remains unanswered. How can a head coach and a franchise quarterback combine for zero points in the opening quarter of five consecutive games to start the season when they're in year four of their partnership? The sight of Murray's still in his uniform. An hour after the game seems a little weird to me. The sight of Kingsbury having individual conversations with two of his offensive linemen seems a bit ominous to me. There are smart football people who wonder if the organization even likes their franchise quarterback and if the feeling is mutual. There are smart football people who wonder if Murray threw Kingsbury under a bus on Sunday and there are a lot of smart people who think something has to change soon because because what you're seeing from this tandem might be all you're going to get. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury affordable with two great locations and one great experience. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. Yeah, I think, I think it's all of us. I think it's collective. Like I said, um, I've never been a part of uh, a team at any level where it's first five games. It's just you're three and out and can't score in the first quarter. And for whatever reason, it's just like um, not clicking. And, and that's something we all have to, to work harder at and get better at. So I, I don't think it just falls on him. I think it's play calling scheme execution by all 11 guys it's just a thing we got to get over i imagine and that was from wolf and luke yesterday cliff kingsbury's uh weekly interview uh that after five weeks of hearing those those types of things said after games it's all of us it's 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 execution it's play calling it's everything i imagine some people are listening to those quotes cardinal fans who are pulling their hair out right now and yeah. it, it, since he's in the news again, and, and you you brought it up earlier, the, living through the 2018 season with Steve Wilkes, mm-hmm. there were obvious issues with the team. A bad roster was probably the biggest issue with that team. Yeah. But there was very little in terms of explanation on why things were happening, why struggles were occurring. It was just the, we've got to get better refrain. There's and, a, and that's where the Cardinals are right now. It's very, yeah. very frustrating. Is it correctable? No I, it, the more time that passes, y- you think that it's not. We'll see. Uh, again, the, the, the idea that they can't move the ball on the plays that Cliff Kingsbury is scripting is really alarming. It means his stuff is not working, which means defenses are ready for what he thinks is the very best of his playbook. And and that's not an overstatement. That's not hyperbole. That's fact. And this is five consecutive games now, and people are wondering, is this all there is? Is, is This offense only comes to life when Kyler Murray starts running around? And the fact that, that he, it, like you said, I didn't even think about this, but you're right. To even call a quarterback draw in that time of the game, it's, what are you thinking? And, and apparently, to call it without the... 
additional instruction. Yeah. Get out of bounds. Oh, or, or, and after that. Or to have a play ready. This is what you're running right after that. Right, exactly. Right. The play itself worked pretty well. Like it, it should did. have been a first down. Yeah. It, so it wasn't really the play call, but it was like, you should have like the next play ready to go. Right. Because as multiple people have said now, and we've played clips and we brought it up, what if he did like, they had no plan if he didn't get the first down? I know. How about that? That's, that's, that's what people are, are, are calling embarrassing. Yeah. That you're just winging it like that? You just you, clock the ball. We'll figure out what we're doing. Okay, run the ball, Kyler. Clock the ball. That's that's just panic. That's just desperation. That's just that's not what what winning football looks like and everybody knows it. And that's why that ending is now punctured our little bubble here in Arizona and become fodder for national shows because they can't believe it either. Yeah, speaking of the national shows, here was Jeremy Fowler from ESPN on the KJM Morning Show on ESPN Radio. What are your thoughts on you know the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray and his awareness at the end of the game yesterday and also Cliff Kingsbury and situational football? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I was tweeting about that game yesterday. I'm like, look, Kyler Murray's a flawed quarterback, but look at the way he's so good at this, right? That last minute, move the ball downfield, run when you have to, get some easy completions. Like, he can be the hero, right? And then as soon as I tweet that, the spike happens. Um, you know, it, it, it sounds like somebody there thought that they had gotten the first down uh, instead of being third and one. So I don't know if there was confusion with the officials as to where the spot was. Either way, they had time. Uh, it seems like they had time to communicate that. So, uh, you know, with, with the quarterback, yeah, you would think that that's, um, you know, a situation that they would be aware of in the moment. Unless you have a head coach or, or people in your ear screaming, clock, 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 you know, like that. There's some context there. And it sounds like that's what happened. So uh, a little bit of confusion. And, you know, I still, I don't know, the Cardinals are a weird team. They're getting DeAndre Hopkins back, though. Um, I, I, I'm still bullish on them to an extent. I don't necessarily think they're a playoff team, but I think they'll still be in it and they'll win games like they should have won yesterday. Yeah, uh, Dan Orlovsky, ESPN Radio. Second and five, and they call a short little completion to Hollywood Brown. He catches it with 47 seconds left. They clock it just about in field goal range with 37. If it's going to take you 10 seconds to spike the ball, call a daggone play. Then on second and 10, you call quarterback draw. You call quarterback draw knowing, hey, what's the call if we get eight yards? Like, why are we going, oh, I don't know. And then there's 22 seconds on the clock. Listen, if there's 22 seconds on the clock and it's third and one, just call a pass play. What did I say? Yeah. You know, just call a pass <laughs> because call, if it's complete, kitty, you know what it was called? Get me five. And if it's complete, get me five we right can now. Run, we could run up, clock the ball. Yeah, it's kick irrational. It's it, irrational it's, not to. It's yeah. unprepared. Yeah. It's unprepared. Yeah, there's a lot of that talk going around. So now you've got uh, situations where, okay, look at the Cardinals' lack of production early in games. They're not prepared to start games. And now you've got it on the back end, too, a chance to beat a team that nobody gave you a chance to beat. But your own lack of operation and communication and planning prevented yeah. you from doing that were yeah. you prepared for that situation right yeah so if you're prepared for quarters two and three it's half the game one and four is the big the big start and a big finish are and, pretty important right and and the thing is they're close to being a good they've got the talent to be a good team and this is this is why i think they're very f- fragile right now they're like that lamp in a Christmas story. Mm-hmm. They're in a box that says Fragile. 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 <laughs> Ooh, it's Italian. <laughs> 
Right. <laughs> uh, just announced Dead and Company will be heading to Ak Chin Pavilion on May 23rd for their last tour. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10, but you can win a pair now by visiting ArizonaSports.com. Coming up next, are we uh, just uh, weeks away from seeing NFL quarterbacks wrapped in bubble wrap? It certainly appears that way. We'll get into that and more in NFL uh, Week 5 next. Bickley and Murata mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. Yeah, uh, last night uh, wrapped up Week 5 in the NFL. Kansas City got their fourth win. They came from behind to defeat the Las Vegas Raiders. And, yeah, people are talking about the win. People are talking about uh, the Chiefs being among the best teams in the uh, AFC once again. But I think more people are talking about different items in that game. We talked earlier about you know Josh McDaniels' decisions, his coaching decisions to go for too late, to go for a deep pass on, on fourth and one, which uh, Adams and Renfro ran into each other. They lose the game, but a lot of people are talking about Chris Jones and his uh, roughing the passer call. Yeah. A play where he comes from behind on Derek Carr, wrestles the ball away from him, in the process is possessing the ball, but lands on him with what the officials called his his full weight. So they call roughing the passer, which nullifies the turnover and um, kind of changes the momentum of the game going into halftime. Mm-hmm. The reaction from people within the game was, was pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, and, and Tony Dungy said, you know, this isn't even football anymore. Yeah, this is, there's, when you look at the play, uh, okay, I understand when you tackle guys, they don't want defensive players driving their weight and the quarterback into the ground with their weight. And you could say technically that's what happened, but, I mean, come on, he's stripping the football from the man. Uh, Chris Sims has got a great uh, word or phrase for what's going on in the NFL. He's calling it nothing, the passer. <laughs> I like which, that. Which about sums it up. I like so, that. So this, this is really starting to smell to people like something coming from way on high to further protect quarterbacks, not just because of of the the massive financial investments teams are now making into these players. I mean, you start writing those kind of checks, it, don't think it doesn't hit differently. Don't think it hasn't hit Michael Bidwill differently, having to write that kind of a check for a quarterback. It, then you look at that asset a little bit differently, I would think. And then secondarily, it's you just don't want backup quarterback against backup quarterback in December. That's that's the way to make football look bad. I'm telling you, I, we've all experienced this. You put a couple of bad quarterbacks on a football field, football ain't fun to watch. No, it's not. But, uh, I mean, a lot of it for the first five weeks with starting quarterbacks hasn't been fun to watch because nobody practices football anymore well, in, in, in the month of August. Uh-huh. Chris Jones of the Chiefs, who delivered that hit, was flagged for it. Uh, he was upset. He was frustrated after the game, but he also made some great points. Here's some of what he said after the game. I mean, from from the ref point of view, he probably looked like that initially, but you know, and when you look at the replay, it's a whole different thing. So, I think now the, to evolve roughing the passer and protecting the quarterback is essentially what we're doing in this league. We got to be able to look at roughing the passers in the booth. You you you, you, you take a look at uh, Grady Jarrett situation. I was gonna ask you about that. Did you see that one from yesterday? Of course. It's all over Twitter. And, 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 and what type of situation that was in the game? That was a third down stop also. And then when you take that in the initiative, if we're able to view it in the booth and the referees can get a second look because it's happening so fast, maybe we can change that. 
Yeah, that was, uh, I think he brings up a great point. And, and there was another instance that got referenced in that question right there. Grady Jarrett of the Falcons taking down Tom Brady, who uh, was flagged for, for roughing the passer. And people said, well, that's a reaction to the Tua Tungavailoa injury. It looked a lot like the Tua tackle. The only difference was Josh Tupu of the Cincinnati Bengals, who tackled Tua Tungavailoa and caused that ugly scene when Tua knocked his head against the field, he wasn't flagged for roughing the passer on that play. This is so reactionary. Oh, it is. Well, it is that. And if the NFL, look, when they went down the road of, of reviewing pass interference calls, that was a little much. But they went down that road to try to correct the problem. They scrapped it immediately after one year because it was slowing down the game. But if they can do that, mm-hmm. I think they could do it for roughing the passer. And I think they could probably adjudicate it a little bit better than they did on the on the, on the pass interference Listen, situation. And the fact that some of these quarterbacks are even asking for flags on moderate contact. Our guy has done that a couple of times this year. Kyler Murray's done that a couple of times. There was one time a guy was around his feet, and a guy up top just pushed him down, and he's like, where's the flag? It's like, what? There's another one. Uh, Tom Bilot- Brady was barking about that for all his I-don't-throw-flags routine. So what you're saying is they're becoming like NBA superstars. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm the saying. The NBA might be more physical. Oh! <laughs> but what? I mean, what's the solution, though? Because like Dan set out... You don't want to have Fans an NFL don't. without the, your superstars. No. Well, but that's, that's where right. this comes. Uh, this, I know. this all blends into the conversations we have on Kyler Murray, too, on the third down play. Should he risk it a little bit more, take some physical contact to A, pick up the first down, B, maybe inspire his teammates? People mm-hmm. say, you can't do that. Kyler can't get hurt. Are we in the business of winning football games or are we in the business of keeping our quarterback upright and being a 7 and, well, and 10 it, team? There's, yes, there's there, right. Well, <laughs> uh, I think in the case of Arizona, the question or the answer to that is very, very individual and very unique. And that is there's a fine line, obviously, but you need to get the first down when on Sunday. Um, I, I think, yeah, I think all of this is in play right now. And it just it's not going to get any better because if the league is doing this now to protect the further protect the quarterbacks, where's this going to end? There was twice last night when the play was whistled dead. A quarterback has been sacked via bear hug. Uh-huh. I wouldn't be surprised if that becomes the new rule. You don't tackle quarterbacks, folks. You bear hug them. And then what happens the first time a big, tough quarterback breaks free from a bear hug and throws a touchdown pass? It's it's going to, like you said, it's going to create a, such a divide in the game. They're giving the, the quarterbacks already a dis- disproportionate amount of the money, which is fine because their job is insanely hard. But you it's do that, then you protect them on top of it. You know uh, how they prevent this? Outlaw the forward pass. Mm. Oh, there you go. That would be well, football fun to watch. This started, I mean, this has been going on for years. The Cardinals have kind of outlawed uh, the forward pass <laughs> in the first quarter, for right. sure. If, uh, if you remember, I mean, this has been going on for years. If you remember the sort of like whole thesis statement of the XFL when it first launched was that it was going to be, a, a, you know, like old school football and it was going to be more violent and, and not have all these rules and stuff. And that only lasted one year. Yeah. It, I, I, don't, I don't know what the solution is because it's red jerseys on quarterbacks like they were in practice. But the, out, the outrage when Tua got hurt was real. 
The outrage was real. The same but people it, who are it, saying this isn't football are the same people saying that it's irresponsible. The outrage wasn't over the nature of the hit, though. The outrage was over the mishandling of Tua's condition the week prior and yeah. that he shouldn't have been on the field in the first place. Nobody had a problem with the way that Tua was taken down. Again, he was. they didn't draw a flag. No. It was that he was no. put in a situation to, to, to suffer that injury on what was a pretty routine hit. Because of what he went through the week before. And I'm of the belief the more dangerous and violent the game looks, the more appealing it is to the people who watch it. That's what I believe. And so so there's going to be, this is going to be something. I, I don't know where this thing is going, but the NFL has supported both of these calls, and both of those calls were garbage. And both honestly, I think with the rules that are written right now, even if Chris Jones' plan of being able to review a roughing the passer call, that would have been upheld last night because yeah. he fell with his full weight. Uh, finally, and I don't know what he said. He said it. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm 325 yeah. pounds. Right. Real quick, Patrick Mahomes now 23-3 and against the AFC West in his career with 56 touchdown passes. He is now 12-9 and when trailing by 10 or more points in a game. Is that? That's wow. unbelievable. 12-9. <laughs> yeah, him and Josh Allen, man, yeah. they're, they're they're at the top. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, we are eight days away from the Sun starting their regular season. Still no movement on the Jay Crowder front. We have Shane Doan next. Shane Doan is... At 830. He loves the Suns. You told yeah. me at 845. I did not tell you at 845. Don't argue. We should it's not okay. argue on there, but it's, it's okay. We have Shane Doan next, it's though. That's okay. exciting. It's My all right. are fighting. Everything is fine. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> It's amazing that I, pro- I, no, no. I I produce a show sheet every morning yeah, and give it to Jared. Wait a minute, and he you doesn't look at it. I, doesn't a doesn't a producer? This do is, that? You would think. <laughs> no, no, I I, I <laughs> shut up, Jared. Shut Shane Doan no, no, next. Nickley Amarada mornings, ninety eight seven FM, Arizona Sports Station. Ninety eight seven FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Shane Doan, Captain Coyote, Coyotes legend Shane Doan, and his legendarily bad phone connection. Up early to talk puck with Bickley and Murata. Believe it or not, the NHL season gets underway tonight what? for the Arizona Coyotes. It gets underway Thursday in Pittsburgh against the Penguins. And we are very pleased for another hockey season to have a, a weekly conversation with the great Shane Doan, uh, Coyotes Chief Hockey Development Officer, who joins us here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Donor, how are you, man? I am doing good. And tell me Jared didn't pick that intro because, I mean, he's not capable of coming up with something creative like that, right? No. No, no. no. That, that was all, okay, okay, that was all okay, above good. him. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was all above him. It would be, it would have been something very, very disappointing and underachieving. I love it. Had Don't, been behind it. Donor starts the hockey job, season donor. by going on the offensive. Don't, good job, Donor. Yeah, exactly. I like He's this. dropping the gloves. <laughs> Pull hey, his donor. sweater over his head and slug him a couple times, Shane. Be, yeah, be, That's we, right. What is it? Shut up, Jared. Isn't that what it is? Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> Before we get started here, you really need to be a character on Yosemite or Yellowstone, whatever that show is with Kevin Costner. Yosemite. Yellows, yeah, Yellowstone. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. Oh. 
I would love that. You should see yesterday my... I was up in Canada for Canadian Thanksgiving this weekend, as we have to celebrate Thanksgiving considerably earlier because it gets it's too cold in the end of November to be celebrating <laughs> Thanksgiving up there. So um, we were so we went for a ride, and I have about a hundred head of horses and a bunch of land up there. And my daughter, who is kind of she's in the film and you know, writing and theater kind of, that's what she got her degree in. And so we were riding off across the, the painter's coolies. That's where we live. And she stopped and videotaped me and is teasing me nonstop about thinking that I'm Dutton. <laughs> I'm not thinking I'm Dutton. She's just making fun of me that's thinking funny. I'm old and that I'm right. <laughs> passing everything on and all that stuff. Having fun with me. That's so I love that show. <laughs> Yeah, I know it's great. It really is. I haven't checked it out. I got to no, watch it. Good, you got to watch it. Uh, with, with the season beginning, obviously there it's a different era. Uh, moving away from Glendale, moving to Mullet Arena and Tempe. We'll get into that in a second. But I know there was a story last week where some literature had been put out uh, for for Tempe uh, residents that the, the mayor of Tempe called a scare tactic that the airport's putting out. And I, I think Coyotes fans are really concerned at this point where this whole process is now on a potential permanent home in Tempe. Can you? Can you update that at all, Shane? Yeah, obviously we're, our whole goal is to end up in a arena that's our own, that is amazing and that's world-class. And the location that is deemed kind of where we're heading is, is that we'd like to go to is just in Tempe there. And, and um, the mayor of Tempe is bang on and he's right and, and that there's, there is an opposition uh, to that that is <laughs> trying to scare people. But if you if you look at the facts of it, um, it's an incredible opportunity for the for the city of Tempe. It's an opportunity for the Coyotes to, I guess, get to kind of equal footing with regards to the other teams in the league. And it's something that Mister Murillo, as an owner, is trying to do by himself. And uh, it's not relying on taxpayers and all that but uh, but just getting this done would be huge for us and that's that's probably um well it's the biggest thing in our organization for the next four or five years to get this done and figure out a way to get this done and if that happens then um i'm ecstatic Let's uh, let's let's talk about the interim because I, I'm curious what you think. I, I'm sh- I know that you've seen the arena. I'm sure it's going to be really a cool experience for fans, and yet it's I, I I think it leaves the organization up to a lot of mockery from opponents and and from fans and other markets. and And I don't know how much winning is going to go down in the next couple of years. Take us through what this might look like and feel like, in your opinion. Well, yeah, it's it's going to be a unique experience. Um, not too often you'll get to, well, you will never get to watch an NHL regulation game, really realistically in a in a building this small and this and the size. And and without a doubt, there is going to be people that are going to take shots at it. Um, uh, it's it's hard because as a the hockey purists that see it as kind of a i'm assuming a little bit of a oh it's it's something that they don't want and 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 i understand that but it's the way that we have in order for us to get to where we want to go we have to go in this direction and we're excited about the opportunity that's again very unique that you're going to get to watch nhl players in an arena that isn't 
the normal size of an NHL rink. So you're going to be so much closer and the atmosphere is going to be unique and that it's on campus and all those things. So there's lots that are, uh, you can't deny some of the, the people that are going to say some things that in a way are, are true, but there's other sides to it that are very true as well. And that there, it's going to be something that to have an opportunity to experience and talking to friends and people that are in Canada, talking about being able to come down and, and watch Connor McDavid in a, in an arena that's that small. I mean, you're never ever going to get that again. And so to be able to experience that, it's going to be a lot of fun. And they, um, but it is going to be different. And they better bring a lot of those loonies to pay. <laughs> those are going to be, uh, those tickets are going to be in demand, Shane. Shane Doan, our guest uh, here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. On the ice uh, with the Coyotes getting ready to start their season, there's some familiar faces that are gone. There's some other familiar faces that could be gone soon. Uh, we know what the growth uh, pattern is for, for this team or the planned pattern for this team in terms of future growth but what can coyote fans expect this year uh on the on ice product in your in your mind shane well hey the thing that i'm the most excited about is is the steps that i think andre tyranny and, and and the coaching staff have had with the group that um it's going to be there's going to be some growth and there's going to be some growing pains and the, the the team's younger but there's going to be an opportunity to see guys kind of come into their own uh, you look at kind of what Clayton Keller did last year and uh, I look at a guy like Lawson Kraus and, and and Christian Fisher those those guys have been a core part of our group for the last few years and they're guys that are, we're going to count on and you want to see them grow and, and when you see that you get excited and, and you look at a guy like Dylan Gunther who I think in four or five years will be one of the premier goal scorers in the league. I think that he might be the best goal scorer in his draft and it's going to be, he's going to have to, he has a long ways to go, but he has the ability to do stuff that's exciting. And so you look at guys like that and you start to get excited about the young guys coming down the pipeline. And that's been our goal the whole time is to, is to improve the team so that we, we do create a foundation that is, is sustainable and one that can be a, a perennial contender but in the, in the NHL that's hard to do and you have to sometimes take your bumps and for right now we're in a little bit of a rebuild and we're working on it Shane, uh, thanks so much uh, for joining us. Like I said at the beginning of it, uh, yeah. we're glad to have you back for for another Absolutely. season talking hockey. And and we'll as the baseball playoffs wear on, we'll get into that too. You get You're real quick. Of course, you got okay? a pick. Who's your World Series pick? Oh man, I I, I think the Dodgers are going to be hard to beat just because of. Ooh. I mean, if you look at it on paper, but you, you look at what the Guardians have done in the last with their pitching staff. It's some. T- Last year, what Atlanta did, Ooh. where they kind of got into the playoffs and they got on a roll, mm-hmm. That'd be and they, they kind of rode their their group uh, right to the obviously to win it all. You look at a team like that, and you're like, man, if they can get past the Yankees, then maybe there's a chance. Um, but uh, like it's going to be hard to beat the Dodgers. That's a real underdog kind of scenario. And you, then you get yeah. those Hollywood boys have to play in that cold weather right off of Lake Erie in October. All right, sign me yep. up for that. I like that. Guardians, Dodgers. All right, Donor, <laughs> well, we appreciate it. <laughs> I'm definitely not a baseball expert, so um, yes, I love it, but uh, I, I wouldn't go to the bank on that. But, but that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> for entertainment purposes only. We got it. Thanks. Yeah, there Thanks. we go. There we go. Thanks, Donor. We'll talk to you next Tuesday.
Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Shane Doan, Chief, uh, Chief Hockey Development Officer of the Arizona Coyotes, will join us weekly once again during the NHL season, which gets underway tonight. Coming up next, as I was saying earlier, the Suns are eight days away from their first game. We've got no clarity on the Jay Crowder situation. Could there Love be clarity coming? We'll get into that and more next. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Sources tell me the Hawks have emerged as a suitor among interested teams in Suns forward Jay Crowder. The Hawks and Suns have had conversations in recent weeks and months, I'm told, as Atlanta has seen if there's a pathway to bring Crowder into a big three of Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, and John Collins. Several teams have been engaged on a potential deal for Crowder, who remains away from the Suns as both sides work on a resolution for his future. That's Sean Sharania from The Athletic making that report yesterday. We have no uh, clarification on the Jay Crowder situation. He remains away from the team. We are eight days away from opening night for the Phoenix Suns when they uh-huh. take on the uh, Dallas Mavericks next Wednesday. Please win that game. And I'm wondering, at, that and when that report came out, there was a lot of people speculating, okay, if Atlanta's sniffing around Jay Crowder, what could the Suns possibly get back? Would they have to include other pieces to get something back? Which I think would be the case at this point. From the Jay Crowder standpoint, though, what we know, what has been reported is that Jay Crowder's discontent with the Phoenix Suns is that he was told, hey, he's not going to be a starter. He'll come off the bench. There can be no guarantee that he'll finish games. Mm-hmm. I and, and look, personal pride, I get it. But for a guy like Jay Crowder, who has built his entire career on being a glue guy, doing the dirty little the, the little dirty work that teams need to win basketball games, if starting slash finishing games is that important, I don't know of another scenario where he's going to be afforded that opportunity. Well, that's, yeah, so then you would wonder exactly if he's just kind of overplayed his hand, if he's just overplayed what, what he thinks his leverage happens to be. I think, I mean, his actions are that of a basketball player who thinks he should be in, who is in demand enough where he can make that kind of stand. And I think what you're saying is that may not be the case. We're going to find out. We're going to find out where he ends up and if he comes off the bench. If he comes off the bench for his next team and it's not the Suns, that's a fail. Yeah, and if it, if he comes off the bench for his next team and it's not the Suns and it's not a team that's going to make any noise in the playoffs, it's a total fail. That too, but it's yeah. also a fail for the Suns if he's willing. If he winds up going somewhere else and comes off the bench, and they couldn't work it out with him here to get that scenario to happen. Uh, you're Jared, you're right based on what we know. Yeah. Unless there's other things that we don't know about, and again, mm-hmm. you can go back to all the cryptic tweets over the summer from Jay Crowder. It was clear he wasn't happy. Well, yes, that is very and true. It, it, I mean, uh, so let's connect the dots. Monty Williams said he hadn't talked to a lot of guys between Game Seven and the start of training camp. I'm guessing one we of them is Jay Crowder. I guess, yeah, we yeah. guess he did. he talked to Jay Crowder about it. I yeah. Listen, the the way the basketball team is acting, they're acting like they really don't want any part of Jay Crowder. Because if you did, even in a bench capacity, you wouldn't have said that to him. You wouldn't have gone and said you're not going to be on the floor at the end of games. I mean, that's just that's dumb. Unless you want the guy to be mad and want him to get out. 
Yeah, but I mean, if, if that was the case and they were so clear cut against that scenario, got to move quicker. And, and whether it's Jay Crowder needing yeah. to move quicker to demand his way out of town. Move quicker or, you know, if if that Bogdanovich, if Boyan Bogdanovich was available to you for Jay Crowder, which it appears might have been the case, then you got to make that trade. Yeah, I mean, hindsight being what it is, I agree with you because right now, either this lingers and you're getting nothing for Jay Crowder, who's just languishing on the sidelines, mm-hmm. or if the Suns get desperate enough to move him, they uh, the the bottom line is they need to get a rotation rotation piece back. Yeah. They need to get something useful, right. somebody who can play 15 to 20 minutes a night back yeah. for them to maximize this trade. That appears to be unlikely without them adding draft picks or maybe other players and further lessening their own rotation. They need to replace their sixth man. I've got yeah, I've got Cam Johnson's moving to the Cam Johnson? Johnson? Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, and, and, that, and that, to me, is is the folly in this. Because the, the Suns, uh, you know, they're, they're shy on pieces right now, in my opinion. They haven't looked all that great. I, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not even extracting any results from the preseason. Well, you can kind of project what you see from individuals and how they will fit into the team concept when the rotation starts. But, you know, there's other people that have questions, and a lot of this is analytics-based, from John Hollinger, former NBA executive. Now with uh, The Athletic, he put out his Phoenix Suns predictions and analysis for the upcoming season, and it's you know a long six-page article. But what it boils down to after he crunches all the, athletic, uh, all the analytics but between some of the things he came up with, he's got the Suns 50 and 32, Tied for fourth in the Western Conference. It's a 14-game drop-off, which I don't think is the alarming thing. Mm -hmm. But is it a 14-game drop-off mixed with the current roster, which may or may not be equipped to deal with with the rigors of of the Western Conference playoffs? Yeah, that's that's interesting to me because I do think that they're going to be chasing some teams in the West. And again, it's not necessarily a terrible thing. I think we've learned... That uh, that the value of regular season victories, it's not all that it's cracked up to be. Somebody tweeted out yesterday a look at the Western Conference standings when the Suns were 61-14 and 14 before the little nosedive at the end of the mm-hmm. season. And there's nobody within two and a half miles of them. No. And if, it, and if you knew nothing at all, you would look at that and go, this team is by far the best in the West. By far. And playoffs came, and they were vulnerable from the opening tip-off. I think for 80% of the season, that's what we thought. Mm-hmm. I think we thought they were by far the best team in the West. Yeah, I didn't think anybody was beating them. But you know, winning regular season games is tantalizing. It's yeah. not a true indication no. of what's coming no, up. No, because they the proved way, that. Yeah, because the way that they won those regular season games, that formula doesn't always work. In fact, it very rarely does. And even you the need... team that they played last night, I mean, I said to you during commercial break, Denver's going to be a real problem when they are healthy. Yeah, okay. I know all the jokes. Uh, Didn't he get hurt again, Jamal Murray? He was held out Jamal, for, for, for rest. The phone? Uh, well, he, he's injured, but I don't think it's that serious. But these teams no, all Vinny's added. Vinny's right. Vinny's right. Denver Denver's added DeAndre Jordan as a backup mm-hmm. five. They added Bruce Brown, who is a, a, mm-hmm. a player I think every team in the NBA Absolutely. would want. Uh, they've got younger pieces. I mean, they were watching the game last night. They were raving about... Zeke Naji, the Arizona kid who put on like 15 pounds of muscle. Um, they're going to be really – they got the two-time defending MVP on their team. Think And then think about how well-rested Kawhi Leonard happens to be. 
He's fresh. <laughs> he's going to be a ball of energy and a he ball of lightning. Is. Yeah, he's going to be incredible. Uh, between him and John Wall, I mean, is there a more refreshed team than the L.A. Clippers right now? We can laugh now. Yep. Uh, again, eight days away from opening yeah, night in the it. NBA. Can't wait for it to get here. Coming up next, I also can't wait for social studies with Sarah Cazell. We'll do it next. Pickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.